Welcome back to Mismo. We often talk on the podcast about staying in shape physically, mm-hmm. um, but you got to keep your voice in shape as an actor and a singer. And one of the ways that I keep my voice in shape, which you'll hear us talk a little bit about in today's episode, is my singing straw. So I had, I bought like reusable straws a little while ago, like years ago, and have had to literally warm up into a half full water bottle. And it was a little inconvenient, but it did help my voice a lot. And I found out about the singing straw and I've been warming up into it for the past, like, how long have I had it now? Like about a month or something like that. And it's just helped my voice so, so much with stamina, with my range, with all of it. If you guys want to try it out, you can go to singingstraw.com and use the code AshleyArgoda for 10% off. I'm Rick Torres. I'm Ashley Argoda, and, and we, we are Mismo. Today we talked to my friend Alex Nee. Alex and I did Romeo and Juliet together. He was my Romeo. And we basically, for the past few years, have been squelting 80s songs in each other's faces. <laughs> and you both have incredible voices that uh, we talked a good amount about in the show. We also talked about singing from more of a spiritual place. I think you'll really enjoy the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Alex Nee. Hey, thanks. Thank Excited you to be here. here. Yeah. Um, I met Alex, uh, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but we were doing Romeo and Juliet together, but not the Pat yeah. Benatar version, we were doing an 80s version of Romeo and Juliet. Yes, 80s uh, with Fall Out Boy covering uh, some of the Michael Jackson songs, so I don't know what, what decade we were in, but yeah, that I- was... That was uh, 2016, right after I moved to LA. Really? That was right when you moved to LA? That was my first summer in Los Angeles. And honestly, ha- what a, what a you know, couldn't have asked for a better summer gig for the first, like, yeah. It, it definitely welcomed me, uh, I felt, into Los Angeles. So thanks. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wait, where were you moving from? Bay Area, right? Uh, no, just being on tour. I um, I had just gotten off the once tour, of like three years long, and uh, I had no I had no home base, so, so you moved to. LA. Well, it was January. I didn't want to move to New York. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite things about working with you on that show was that you used to unicycle to work all the time. Ah, yes. <laughs> Your unicycle um, parked off stage. It was great. That unicycle, I don't know if you saw, but has since been stolen. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. Not the Someone, unicycle. Can you believe it? Someone stole a unicycle. <laughs> do you do we think I, I felt I hope not, because my theory has always been like I don't need to lock up a unicycle because um, you know, anyone who could ride it mm-hmm. would be sort of in the unicycle club and sort of have the code of conduct of like we're all weird. We all respect each other. We're not going to steal each other's unicycles. Um, or they would have one, you know, if you know how to ride it, you usually have one. So then it's like, if you don't know how to ride it, why are you stealing it? They're not very valuable or anything. (laughs) They, they only, they only cost like, you know, 80 to $200. It's like, so I was pissed. Yeah. Some dude stole it out of my, my freaking backyard. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, can you believe? Cool. And I posted, I made, I made these, uh, well, actually my, me and my friend, he was, I was the consultant, he graphic designed them. We made like wanted posters for it. <laughs> um, posted them all around uh, LA. Um, yeah, it was, I did a big campaign, but it never returned. Not the unicycle. I love that. I know. <laughs> I know. It was great. It was so cool. <laughs> well, so I'll get another one someday. Nice. Well, I mean, I think we should just start at the beginning here. I don't know <laughs> how you got started in acting. Mm. I know you have one of my favorite voices. I love singing with you. We've gotten to scream Whitney Houston yes. songs at each other, <laughs> like inches away from each other. Um, yeah. How did you get started? Um, not doing that. <laughs> um, Same. Yeah, um, but I, I I started out uh, in elementary school. Just like I gravitated towards it as a as a school activity, um, and my elementary school did one like play every two years. <laughs> that was our theater department. <laughs> nice. um, but I guess you know that's more than some people. But so the first one I was, and you and you had to be in third grade or above to be in it. So I was first eligible in third grade and I, I was in Baba Yaga, which is a Russian folktale and, and I'm Russian. So I felt, I felt a kinship to it. And, uh, I was a silent, no lines, spear carrying guard of like the czar. And, uh, I felt really good about it. You know, I was like, (laughs) this is a, this is a great kind of, you know, social space and activity and, um, so I did it the next time and then just went into school theater basically and did that consistently through middle school and wow. high school. And then uh, in high school, I started getting interested in like branching out, and did some shows in San Francisco. But I will say my parents were adamantly like not stage parents. And uh, I asked to like get taken to TV and commercial auditions numerous times and they were like, we're not you know if you can get yourself there and not miss any school then you can like do a play in the city but Mm. so it was it was kind of definitely always an extracurricular um did you go to school did you go to college for it or did you yeah so then it so then I like yeah it was an extracurricular until I like fully decided uh towards the end of high school yes I'm pursuing this I'm gonna go major in it in college um, but I also knew that I didn't want to do a conservatory program. Um, so I ended up in like, uh, at Northwestern, uh, which is sort of a liberal arts approach. Um, and, uh, yeah, also kind of, I don't know, I guess, I guess I've been influenced by probably my dad mostly always being like, well, it's not that they weren't supportive, but he was like, you sh- you know, learn other things like become proficient in in your other strengths or interests you know I because of him I ended up getting like a double major in economics Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've always it's funny until yeah until like it got thrust upon me that like oh this could actually really be a career I was always keeping it very much like not separate just like this is a thing that I do but it's not necessarily the whole you know focus so you did econ and was it theater or musical theater? 
both. Um, Northwestern has it set up where it's like a BA theater program um, with a music theater certificate. So you don't have to audition to get in. You could just declare yourself a theater major if you're in the school. You can just get into Northwestern and then be a theater major, which is cool because like it meant that our program was like pretty large and diverse and people would audit and try out classes and you'd have like people who hadn't just been like actors their whole lives, you know, yeah. exploring stuff with you, which, which can be valuable. Yeah. Um, but then music theater certificate you audition for and mm-hmm. get into once you're, once you're at the school. So okay. I did both. Yeah. I was also a theater major BA in theater. Um, Where'd you go? USC? USC. Yeah. I was, that was my, Probably it was in my top three choices. Yeah. Yeah. My dad did the same exact thing though. I, and I ended up getting a business minor while I was there too. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you've been, you've been kind of using that. seems like. Definitely. Pretty, well, pretty, pretty frequently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think- I feel like I've wasted my, de- I haven't done anything with my degree other than like be mad at the news, like with more, uh, <laughs> you know, information than some people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, I don't know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about college and theater programs, and I think you do use it one way or another. Um, And especially in this, you know, in in acting, it's interesting you didn't do the film and TV um, auditions as a young kid. That, they're two totally different businesses. I think there's there are theater people with business minds that, and that's very important, but the, um, it's not really, I don't think it lumps into the, when people say the entertainment industry, the industry where they're talking about film and TV. Yeah. Well, there is, yeah. I mean, not only is there a lot more investment usually in film and TV, so it's a bigger budget and, and more various probably business model. Yeah but it's also the much more profitable one. Yeah. Yeah. Was there an impetus to do more film and TV early on? Um, Is that still an aspiration? Yeah, it's always been an aspiration. Um, But it's, (laughs) as with many things in my life, it's, if, if, if other things are coming to me and they're fun and and accessible then you know i'm not gonna like kill myself over over trying to like kind of gain access to something that's not coming as easily i guess does that does that make sense um and so yeah i i i never had a lot of training in it and that was never something i was focusing on until after college and then I did like four years of musical theater national tours. Um, and I found quickly, like over that time, I'm like, I, I'm not making any inroads in film and TV and I do want to. Um, and so that's part of why I moved to LA was to kind of like, I knew if I went straight to New York off of American Idiot and the Once Tour, I would probably keep doing musicals, you know? And I wanted to kind of, vary that up and interrupt that a bit. So LA seemed, and it did work, but mostly very, very indie stuff. Okay. Um, Now, 
I, when I went on tour, I was really little. I was, I was 11 when I did it. So I, Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> baby. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. I mean, it was, I was a kid. So it was just like this really cool opportunity for me to just like be on tour and like travel. And who, what, uh, were you just with a, like, did you have a family member with you or was it just your child, uh, Right. Like, no, I had, my mom, my mom came with me. She actually quit her job um, as a nurse mm. to come with me on tour. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And it was like a huge, you know, family discussion of like, all right, this is, I'm going to do this. So if this is really what you want to do for the rest of your life, I'm going to quit and we're going to just go and do this. Um, and she did. And it was amazing. And I loved it because it was, you know, just me and three other kids basically all the time, just traveling and having fun in all these different cities. But I know as an adult, uh, as I've talked to people who have toured, it's kind of a different experience. Did you like the touring life? With, I mean, you did almost four years of touring. So like, did you like it at all? I did, uh, yeah, at all. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Some funny. Some people are like, we hated it. <laughs> no, I, I definitely did not hate it. it. It came with its difficult moments, but overall I really enjoyed it. Um, I, yeah, it solidified a love for travel that I had already sort of known a bit. My parents were able to take us to some fun uh, trips when we were growing up, but you feel, you feel like a much cooler and, and more uh, kind of like in the know traveler. If you're working in the city that you're traveling to, you mm -hmm. know, you have sort of like this, street cred of like I belong you know I'm I'm allowed to be here you're not just like ooh, I'm a little tourist you know and uh and you get to you know when you go on a trip usually uh a one-week vacation is pretty long two-week vacation is like a really long vacay but on tour we'd sit down for that or or even like a month or two and uh yeah so I really appreciated getting to like really delve into a lot of different places um, and yeah, I, I, I was an adult, although I was the baby in both casts. I was the youngest in both American Idiot and Once as well. And, um, I started touring when I was 20. So I turned 21, uh, opening night of the Idiot Tour. Like, but we had done previews for a few weeks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> for a press night. It actually, it actually was, was the night after opening or before opening. Uh, who knows? Wow. <laughs> that must have been fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was also very emotional, you know, when events like that coincide, sometimes it's just like overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have a show the next day? Yeah. So you, you couldn't go too hard <laughs> at night. <laughs> well, and of course, I noticed something on tour that the producers always like to give you an open bar when you have a matinee the next day. Um, <laughs> one, I think to test you, like how professional are you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but then two, because they know they'll save money. Like if we had a travel day the next day, we'd like, you know, yeah. drink them out of pocket and home. <laughs> uh, I think that's, I, I will say the people we've talked to who have been on tour, I've done the tours that are like, you know, you do two shows in one city and then you're like bust to the next city like on the third day and you just get no time to that sounds really yeah I experienced some of that on on idiot um because that was a non-equity tour mm. um they 
they had an equity tour for I think maybe four months. And then even though it was still very popular and profitable and hadn't been to most of the U.S., well, we can include this. I, it's not shit. I mean, I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> uh, they they went non-ec because they knew they were trying to cast pretty young people Got it. who were mostly in college and none of us were in the union and mm-hmm. we would be perfectly willing to, to yeah. do that. So, um, yeah, so that was... But I will admit, I, I after a few of those one-nighters and having to sing like an hour and a half of Green Day while jumping and headbanging and running around, I I called out of almost every one of the one-nighters on the rest of our schedule. <laughs> like on the, on the bus, I'd be like, I can't do the show tonight. Sorry. Wow. Good for it's you. Just, well, it's just not, it's not okay. Yeah. I mean, when, when rock bands tour yeah, they do one-nighters, but they're not doing eight shows a week. They're doing two or three, you know? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And it's such a weird thing too, because like you have to do those things to protect yourself and like protect, for lack of a better term, like protect your instrument. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it was, yeah. And that, that tour taught me a lot about what I can and can't do with my instrument. Like I would wake up many mornings and literally not like be able to speak Yeah. when I first wake up because, because of the schedule and because of I was young and didn't have a lot of like knowledge of, you know, yeah, I I wasn't using my voice as best as it could. (laughs) Also heard that I've heard from a lot of guys when you're like 20, 21, 22, like you're just ruining your voice when you sing. <laughs> you're, you're doing it in an unhealthy way, usually. <laughs> yeah, I feel like waking up uh, on a morning of a show with no voice teaches you discipline very quickly because you're like, oh, okay. So that there was a limit to what I could do. Got it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and you just reminded me, like, we would have, they would make us, because we were transferring cities quickly and we would do, like, the local news shows in the morning to, like, promote the show. No. For no extra pay, by the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so you'd, they'd be like, all right, so sing, you know, uh, Jesus of Suburbia at 7 a.m. Yep. And then and also like, show that night. Oh, and having done a show the night before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sound perfect and be great. And I never sounded perfect and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would like to thank you because I know when we were doing Romeo and Juliet, there were so many days that I was like, I'm on vocal rest. I can't talk. Or like I had to drink that gross apple cider vinegar tea and you never judged me for it. And I always appreciate that because you just knew I was trying to take care of myself. Definitely. No, I, I respect that a lot. Plus, yeah, you had some crazy stuff to sing on, on that show. Yeah. I mean, you listen to Pat sing those songs and and you, it's it's one of those voices where you're like, how the hell <laughs> is she doing? This? You know. <laughs> and the crazy thing it, is, it's this placement that you're like, yeah, I, would, I would, And she uh, can still do it. Is the crazy? She can, yeah. There were a couple times in rehearsals where she would like, she'd be like, well, I want you to do something like this, and then she'd sing it, and I'd be but like, I will say, she actually, what we're talking about, I she's very cognizant about like, I'm only gonna do it for you know, 30 seconds if I feel the need to demonstrate this, mm-hmm. but otherwise I'm going to speak very quietly and save my voice. <laughs> yep. yep. 
she understood when I would come in with that gross apple cider vinegar tea. She under, she like knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have so you been singing like, a lot? On, me? Uh, yeah, like I've been finding it hard to keep up my, my practice. I mean, not that I was practicing in diligently, but like with less auditions, with no live performances, you know, how's, how are you finding that? I haven't sung very much at all during the last year. I think I did like one, I take that back. I did two like charity things. One was live and then the other one was kind of a pre-recorded one for Christmas. And that's kind of it. And I'm finding now that like, you know, getting to do shows throughout the year was really good for me because that was my like vocal exercise. That was my practice. That was, it was all of it. And I got to really exercise all of that. But this past year I've been like, oh, so my range is not there. So I ordered, um, I actually ordered one of those singing straws. So I've been warming up every day. Oh, for the diaphragm Yeah, because it really like, I used to be so good about like, I'm gonna warm up every day, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And I just haven't really done it. Um, But how's it been for you in quarantine, just like generally staying creative and and singing and all of it? Uh, Similarly, feeling like I'm lacking a bit and and not doing, (laughs) too much um uh I, I i do still when i when i was in la still i was still driving around a lot even during quarantine i would just kind of it's just such a thing in la i would just like go on drives <laughs> <laughs> and when i'm in the car like yeah that's that's when i'm singing full out these days um me too so, yeah (laughs) I'm not the singer either of you are even close at all but I've done a couple musicals except the car that's the spot that's the spot I will that was something that every time New York people would talk to me about oh how's LA like you got to come to New York blah 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 um I would often say, yeah, well, you guys have to pay for warm-up rooms before your auditions. I have a portable private warm-up room whenever I want it. It's called my Prius. Yeah. (laughs) Got a great sound system. (laughs) I remember pulling out of my high school parking lot. I had a truck at Nissan Frontier and, uh, you know, it's 3 p.m. like when everybody's getting out of school and I just felt, you feel so on your own in the car i was uh screaming to say anything um (laughs) full volume in my car and this like cute girl saw me and the next day was like i saw you you know performing a concert in your car oh no these windows are not at all tinted i realize now okay (laughs) (laughs) that's sick the car is the place to do it it's the place yeah so not much singing since you've been on the East Coast then? Just just casually. Well, I've gotten uh I've I've appreciated I've gotten a few, like a handful, I don't know, six or seven different kind of like demo uh requests from different friends who are writing musicals and working on shows and things. Or one guy actually just wanted like a theme song for his YouTube channel. Nice. So that's been good, but it has made me realize that like, I'm mostly motivated by other people assigning me projects, <laughs> which 
is not Same. great. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. But it's worked so far. <laughs> yeah. Last year I did um I went to Nashville to film uh to film this movie and Yeah, I'm I, I really want to see it. Ah, I haven't seen it yet. I hope you like I, it. I, I I watched that happening. Oh yes. Um uh, but my vocal coach who I hadn't actually met, I only knew her through literally like phone calls when I would have like a vocal problem and she'd help me warm up on the phone or like through Skype and stuff like that. But when we were in Nashville, I like went and got a customized warm-up tape from her and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this every day and I'm gonna like my voice is gonna be so strong. Cause you know, like vocal stamina is a huge thing for me and I just I have to be very careful. And I've learned that about myself. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be strong. This is gonna be great. I think I warmed up for the two weeks I was in Nashville because I had the tape and I was super excited about it. We got home, quarantine started and I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. It just Yeah, I understand that definitely. Um, I will say the one thing that kind of organically has has gotten me back on track a bit is um, we, during the winter here, Cause like during the summer, it was so nice, you know, we're on the beach and we were exercising outside going on long walks. I was biking a lot and then the, the weather got super bad and we were <laughs> the, the end of the holidays happened and we both were just like, God, we're just feeling very out of shape, you know? <laughs> and uh, we decided to get a treadmill um, nice. and I went back to something I did when I was learning or I was in rehearsals for American Idiot and realizing, holy crap, I can't, I can't do this is uh, the Beyonce thing of singing on the treadmill. And uh, so you said it like a nice, you know, 4.2 miles an hour, (laughs) like a good, a good speed walk. And then you, and then you'd sing uh, for an hour on the treadmill. And I've actually been doing that. And that, that has been, making me feel better <laughs> yeah maybe i could uh do a, a whole musical again <laughs> <laughs> i believe in you i used to do that as well getting ready when i uh, when i had my cd when i was 13 years old and i would have to like perform full sets oh my it. gosh <laughs> did you use a a britney mic like i'm using right now or or did you have a, a handheld I'll send you a photo of me as a as a twenty something year old wearing the Britney mic I used to wear as a child. Oh, okay, yes. So, yeah, I have, <laughs> like it's real. Like the I still have the board for it with the big long antenna and everything. Like it's real. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I, but I, I, that's exactly how I would warm up. I would literally be on the treadmill for an hour and I'd sing at the top of my lungs. I saw I saw Miley doing that mm-hmm. recently, yeah. prepping for her concert. Hmm. Um. I love Miley. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. We've been listening to your album a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think it's good that you're doing that now, but I think it's been tough to, to motivate without any sense of when things were going to come back. Like yeah. the first Absolutely. six months of quarantine, especially, you know, um, like with acting, you, you would think, okay, I, I mean, I could pick up a monologue and I guess I could put that on camera like from one of the plays sure that would be but that would be practical. i mean but it's hard to motivate and do that for no reason i guess that would be yeah. the equivalent to 
a basketball player going to the gym and putting up a thousand free throws in a you know outside except that practice. i yeah i i yeah except i think there's a, a slight difference there in that i think you know in sports and and like for the basketball player it's it's accepted and and normal to kind of like practice with no one watching and not put it out there as a product but i i've been noticing and feeling like with us actors like you know we don't necessarily feel like it's worthwhile or accepted like practice unless we film it and document it or or have someone witness it yeah unless it's going um, to the casting director or it's going you know yeah yeah and and yeah it's that's been something i've been trying to figure out and struggling with because like you know i remember in college having very organic private non-viewed and never expected to be viewed like experiences of rehearsing and practicing but with people mm-hmm. and now i i don't know the social media as kind of the only viewpoint into most people's lives these days it seems like everything has to be posted i don't know yeah which then it's not really practice you know <laughs> yeah yeah um, I will say one of my favorite things about your Instagram profile is that you describe yourself as a completely mediocre basketball player. I still am, although I've gotten slightly better, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've gotten okay. Um, actually there's a, there's one of those like deceptively long three point shot, like, uh, games on the boardwalk here. And, uh, oh, nice. I hit that up and, um, it's like super overpriced. It's like $10, you know, for one shot but if you get it in you get like a a jersey like a pretty sick jersey and sunk it first time got that jersey i was i was pretty pleased because i have i I have no height or athletic prowess so i have to just be able to shoot from deep (laughs) so (laughs) i can just run around and just shoot from deep. that's incredible <laughs> those rims are smaller than they're not regular they, they shrink the rims and it's yeah. like way higher it's definitely over 10 feet up but ah, good for you so i was i was pretty pleased with that but i'm also never gonna do that game again because you know i'll probably miss the next time <laughs> <laughs> one, and done. one of the fun things about doing a show with you alex was that um i feel like a lot of people in musical theater or a lot of people i meet in musical theater don't love sports and I was able to go into work and talk to you about basketball, which yeah. I never, ever get to do with anyone. I love that. Speaking of, are you excited about the your new acquisitions on the Lakers? You mean the fact that we got Andre Drummond? Yes, I am. I'm fine. He, <laughs> I had him on my fantasy team last year, and he was my favorite player of the season. He kills it constantly. He's so all the rebounds, all yeah. of the rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. And dominated like when he, it's not, it, it, it's never like, Oh, he got lucky on that rebound. It's like, Oh, he grabbed that. <laughs> of, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I started playing fantasy basketball last year in like nice. a really small league. And then of course the NBA shut down. Um, yeah. which you'll appreciate this. So Mick was supposed to come to Nashville and uh come and visit me on during the movie movie shoot yeah and it was the nba shutdown that changed our minds that was the night before my 
or a night or two before my flight. And I, that I remember that as the, as the clinching moment of like, okay, we're really doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That remember, was Cause that, that was, that was like March 10th. Something like that. Yeah. They and always then, replay Mark Cuban's reaction to reading it on his phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was like on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> yeah. but it was literally that and then I was devastated because my fantasy year and I was doing exceptionally well for my first year and then it was ruined because the NBA shut down obviously for good reasons but Mick just acquired Andre Drummond in his fantasy league I drafted Ooh. him thank you I drafted him and then I, <laughs> I sent him to waiver wires uh when Cleveland shut him down but luckily he was still available so no one picked him up wow I know it's a small league. It's yeah. a, it's just six. six we, people, yeah. We, yeah. Oh, okay. So you got, I'm in a 12 team league right now, yeah. which is pretty tough. There's yeah. a lot of, but it's kind of fun too, because everyone has like one sort of like slip slot that we're kind of constantly rotating like smaller players out of. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Um, um, I've got Steph Curry on my team. Nice. I'm, I'm, rep in the bay as as well as i can but in true i i have a complex of like when i really root for sports teams they like lose that game like if i if i tune in if i'm like i'm gonna sit down and watch this whole game like mm-hmm. that's the game they'll lose mm-hmm. when i casually don't then you know the warriors are one of the best teams out there <laughs> that's, that's your team you're a warriors fan mm-hmm. yeah i grew up in i was born in san francisco and then i grew up in palo alto and like, were you back in like the Baron Davis days? Uh, no, I, I oh. can't claim that. But only <laughs> I think I think I do get some credit because I just didn't like any sports when I was younger. Um, I only kind of came into liking basketball when I was in college, nice. and yeah. I kind of don't really follow a lot of other sports very intensely. I always wonder what our listeners do when we go on sports tangents. <laughs> more than you would think like oh, yeah. it actually happens a lot good <laughs> i'm glad well but the thing is i i had an act well here we'll bring it back my acting teacher in college early on said you know acting is a, a full contact sport and Ooh, wow uh, i very much agree with that and sports are theatrical um especially basketball <laughs> yep. and because there's like characters with football it's more this kind of like age of empires swath of people you know moving but but basketball is so individualized and and all that you really follow the characters my acting 101 teacher in high school talked about sports and how it's in a way it's the greatest theater because you don't know what's going to happen the stakes are very clear she was teaching us about tactics and objectives and she said both teams have the exact same objective to win. And then you get to watch all the different tactics that they'll use the coach, the uh, different sets, defense, offense. I mean, they're the whole, the announcers are talking about when they break it down, they're talking about what different tactics the teams will use to achieve their super objective, which is the game. There's a whole thing. It was great. She's the reason why I went from sports to then committing more into theater after that. Oh, so you started playing sports? Yeah, I'm named after Mickey Mantle. I was uh, oh, okay. <laughs> supposed to be the center fielder for the Yankees, but uh, I got injured pretty severely in high school and had to take junior year off completely. And then 
that changed mm. my path. Um, I also got injured my sophomore year of high school. I was a, a gymnast leading up to that. Oh wow! And uh, broke my back. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. stopped that. doing that. Yeah, I fractured my L five vertebra. Mm. And uh, yeah, sucked. (laughs) And then my PE teacher, when I came back in like a full back brace and, you know, had a doctor's note and was like, I can't, you know, participate in PE. She was like, yes, you can't. You you have to, you know, don't be a little whatever. Uh And uh, yeah, she totally tried to force me. I had to like had to bring in my parents like to the principal's office to like get this crazy bitch off my back. <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. Crazy. She would, some PE teachers are just power hungry to the max. That's a lot. I didn't know you broke your back. That's yeah. It's lot. still, I still have a piece of floating bone. It, it didn't like, cause I didn't like snap it in half. It, the, yeah. If a vertebra is, well, there's no video on this podcast, but the, the two little wing tips off the back of like a vertebrae, which I don't know if you can visualize that, but those broke off, but I still have the main thing. Oh, ouch. But basically it just means like those lock in. So it just means like it can slip more easily. Yeah. Wow. Back injuries are completely debilitating because it's your central nervous system. Yeah. All that. It's your, yeah your hips, your legs, your upper body. <laughs> wow. So what do you do to keep yourself, you know, fit? I mean, we talked a lot about your vocal health and, and mm. vocal stamina, but what do you do movement wise to, do you have a pre-show routine and to, to muscle your way through a, um, a long run or, or a tour? Yeah. I, I really value physical warmups a lot. Um, uh, because the the American Idiot Tour was non-equity, they were allowed to uh, force us all to do a communal physical warm-up, which is funny that it's like you can't allow you can't like force people to do that on a equity contract. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, it 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 quickly made me realize like just the importance of engaging all your muscles and checking in with your body before every performance. Um, I gravitated towards yoga a lot early on and that's what I've done, um, primarily for actually like basically since I, since I broke, like, like when I was healing from my back, like physical therapy kind of showed me that sort of importance of just like core and yoga in terms of feeling healthy and able to do things. Um, but uh, yeah, I I definitely recommend and and I do warm up before every show physically, just just even as quick as like a five or ten minute, get your blood pumping and sort of just check in and make sure there are no like extreme kinks anywhere. <laughs> did you, as you were getting into yoga, did you make any parallels? Like, did you get into the philosophy and the mental and spiritual side of it and did you make any parallels with that and what you do on stage yeah yeah i i I did um it sounds like you do yoga as well i'm a an instructor or you're an instructor aren't you yeah Yeah. so i i thought about becoming an instructor 
when I was still in LA and then the timing of it never quite worked out. But, um, but yeah, I've always found that to be a, a vital part of it. Um, I, uh, I like kind of the, the easing into and like embracing and accepting of like um, discomfort, you know, but in a, but in a healthy way, like trying to find the, the ways and the, and the kind of alignment that can allow you to let something that's uncomfortable in, you know? Yeah. I think that's very similar to acting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, don't like fight back or, or cover like your reaction to that, you know? Let it, letting it be, letting non, uh, non-resistance to the moment, letting it exist, non-judgment. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The fact that you had a back injury and then you got into yoga really lines up because it's one of the main objectives of almost all poses is to uh, lengthen and, um, help the spine basically um, right because it facilitates breath for me i was in my yoga teacher training i had just met ashley so and we met at rockwell and so singing was around in my life again i had done it in high school i did musicals was like the first thing i did but then i dropped singing completely in college and then in that teacher training we were doing some chanting and I felt myself using my voice, like deep inhales and chanting again. And it just felt really nice. And then I, I opened myself back up to singing because I think there's a lot of pressure around singing and do, and especially if you're pursuing acting professionally, there's, you know, more of a, like, you have to be an excellent singer or you should just not, but, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not an excellent singer, but I opened back up to it. And then I did into the woods later that year. I got yeah. Baker and it was oh, like cool. a small production, but it was just um, so exciting to, to use my voice again at all. But uh, it's so. It's, I think that's a good those, like yeah. approach to, to come at it from. Cause I, yeah, I think a lot of people who are trying to, you know, do a musical or something will try to achieve like a certain product of, of sound but not coming at it from like what you're talking about in terms of like, let me try to feel where kind of my most resonant natural placement is, or like what's the most like relaxed way that I can, you know, put forth sound. And maybe it's not going to sound like what you think your voice is supposed to sound like, or, you know, or what might be considered good. And instead, you know, but then it's healthy. And then, you know, you look around at at least people that I've always admired who have like whack voices, but are just like owning their kind of natural placement, like, like Bruce Springsteen even, or Tom Waits, like they're non-traditional, but that's just like them trying to be the most grounded you know, kind of natural sound that they can be. I, I miss it. I miss live performing so much, but for you two, especially who, you know, if you're live performing, you're almost always singing because you both have such amazing voices. <laughs> uh, do you do non-musical theater, Alex? As much as I can, but it's rare. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, I do. I, I love doing it. I, I recently got to do um, Death of a Salesman and I was so happy to do like a very, you know, traditional, serious play. That yeah. Awesome. But if I'm a casting director and you <laughs> two can sing the way you do, I'm going to use your voice. <laughs> so... But, but, you know, going back to how you're saying it's been tough to sing as much in quarantine, there's not really a reason to. How is that? Um, I guess this is a question to both of you to the mindset for that. The Or really, it's like, I know the, the way that I felt singing into the woods and how much it did for me. But for you two who are used to doing it all the time, does that feel like a big space that's missing for you? Um, emotionally and like self-fulfillment wise yeah it does <laughs> um yeah it's i think if anything over the last year not having access to being like a part of those projects and rooms um yeah it's just solidified that like that is what i get inspired by and that is what i want to do and, uh, you know, like, it's not like there aren't other things I could do, but I thought about all of the possibilities that I kind of would maybe want over the last year. And it's like, no, I, that is the most inspiring thing to me. So. I think for a while at the beginning of quarantine, I'll be honest, I, I think it's because I, I grew up like I was five and I was in singing competitions. So like singing, singing <laughs> wow. for a long time was always like such a, it was always such a work thing and it was always so stressful to me. Um, so sometimes when I'm like in the throes of a show, it's kind of hard for me to separate the like, it's fun, but it's also like very stressful work for me. Um, so I think the beginning of quarantine, I was like, oh, wow, this is such a nice like break and I oh yeah I, I do always love yeah. breaks but the best breaks yeah. as a performer I think are when you get cast in something that's gonna start in like you know a month yeah like, great I, yeah. I have the next month to just <laughs> yeah. exactly I think I it was not until I saw a video of a show that I had done at Rockwell like a couple of months into quarantine that I was like oh wow I really miss this and then now yeah. I'm like waiting it's a little embarrassing how many times like when I've reached that point that I've like, like YouTube some old performances that I'm a part yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I never I, used to do that. Yeah. But. Same. And I like, I had gone down a rabbit hole of all these Rockwell videos and I saw, I think it was a video of me doing 10 things when I stepped in for cat and I saw like just one of the songs that we did. And I was like, I'm so happy on stage. I miss this. And I think, you know, it took me a minute to miss it, but I, I miss it a lot and I'm really excited for it to come back. Let's do it. Let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> but back to you. Um, what is, what do you think is the biggest misconception of being an actor? Hmm. The biggest misconception. I, I mean, it definitely has to do with auditions. Um, <laughs> I think that I'll just, I mean, I'll speak for like, from my parents' perspective, you know, they saw me growing up doing theater and whatnot, like um, in school and, you know, always getting the lead role. Bam, <laughs> amazing, you know, 
yeah. did it. And now it's like, it's hard to convince them or explain to them that like, it's not like crazy or bad to, you know, be batting <laughs> baseball terms, you know, like a, like a 0. 0.10 even, you know, if you're getting 10% of the auditions, you're going, you know, part of the job is just going through like dealing with rejection and auditions and yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I feel that people put a bit too much stock into like every opportunity as being like the next thing or that, you know, this is going to change your life. Right. And it's like, maybe, but probably, you know, probably not. And, and, you know, I think also it's hard to sometimes convince non actor people that like, you don't have to jump at every single opportunity that's given to you. Like sometimes there is artistic integrity and you should, you know, if you're not going to be proud of the project, you shouldn't, do it but because they're so rare some people think like well it's you know it's a job yeah. you gotta take it and it's like well this is an art form as well <laughs> someone once told me um that you're lucky if you book one callback out of 10 auditions that you go on, or if you get a one callback out of 10 auditions that you go on and i think that's crazy hey, yeah i I totally feel that. I think that was the number I kind of just gave. Like yeah. if you can do like a 10% success rate in terms of even just progressing, you know, meeting people and progressing in that relationship. Yeah. You could say getting a callback is your on base percentage and then booking the job is your batting average. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Opening day is tomorrow, you know, <laughs> I think another big misconception that I was thinking about actually the other day is that like kind of what we were just talking about, like that people think that you would sort of always feel creative or like always feel the need to like do something, Mm -hmm. you know, creative and artistic and stuff. And it's like, no, I, I, that's a, that's a big spark and and a big part of me but like just as you know you like to walk away from your job like I like to you know sit here and play Fortnite (laughs) (laughs) you have to go get the uh, crazy long three-pointer and win a jersey you know yeah yeah Yeah, it still worked it still worked yeah was there ever um a closest you've ever come to quitting? Have you ever seriously considered freshening up the econ degree and doing something else? <laughs> um, I would say I actually have not. Um, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've sort of like thought that I should think that, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. you know, <laughs> I should, you know, find something else to, uh, to do but i've never come up with anything that i'd rather do than perform and interpret and i mean and play music like the music thing like you said 
I think even though I love straight plays, it's, that's a very spiritual kind of like deep seated thing, I think in people who really love music. And it's like, I would never want to give that up in terms of being able to contribute to it. And I'll brag about you for a second. You're, sh- you're so good at music. You're so, <laughs> your boy, you play the guitar. It's like a whole, you're so good. Oh, thank you. It really I appreciate is that. being on stage with you and getting to sing with you and scrawls in your face. Even though it's <laughs> not like hot cider vinegar because it's all I drink during shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a joy getting to create music with you. Same to you, very much so. Yeah. Um, I was just making a little music earlier today. I was, I was trying to, I'm, I'm working on me impersonating Bruce Springsteen doing driver's license. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I realized that the lyrics are very much like in the Springsteen zone. Like he's always talking about just like, you know, we're just a couple of young kids rolling around in the streets. You know, and he's like, always. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I just got this new keyboard, so I was trying to add organ parts to it, which was fun. <laughs> How many instruments do you play? Fifteen. Uh, um, I mean, I, 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 my main thing is is guitar, but then I very much play and dabble in, and can definitely like cross pollinate between like all the fretted string instruments, you know bass ukulele mandolin whatever banjo um piano is what i started on as a little kid but oh nice me too so i i know all the like chords but i'm not you know not anything but like a plunk 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 you do plunk you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what sometimes that's all you need <laughs> i mean especially when you have all the like effects of like logic and yeah you know you can just um and then i've uh actually one of my quarantine projects has been i got a i got a drum set and i've been i've been learning the drums Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. so actually feeling pretty good about them just uh haven't ventured into recording them yet nice i can't wait yeah, to yeah those are fun yeah <laughs> um yeah well, um, I, I had only seen you a couple of times when you guys have done readings together and you, you both are awesome on stage to watch together. Uh, so it was good getting a chance to sit down with you and get to know you a little bit better. You too. Yeah. Uh, we always end the show with a fill in the blank. So this oh, could okay. be a word, a sentence, maybe a Springsteen cover, whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Acting is. Wait, wait, I missed. What did you say? Acting is. Acting is. Acting is. Um, man, I want to do a Springsteen thing, but I just, <laughs> I just think that would go horribly awry. <laughs> Um, glory days. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually you know that's that's more insightful than than you might think um <laughs> glory days uh i think that acting is 
a cracking open of the heart. Bam! <laughs> wow, yeah. I don't know. That's pretty cheesy, but but I actually do. I believe that. That's what I, that's the, you know, vulnerability that I think is exciting when you can get there. I agree. And that's beautiful. Thank you for doing this. You're the best. Heck yeah. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you.